entre nuestra sentencia y nuestro poder lo que ni nuestro carácter ni nuestro linaje pueden consentir toma tu recompensa cinco días te concedemos para que busques el modo de protegerte contra las miserias del mundo el sexto cuida de volver tu execrable espalda a nuestro reino si al cabo de diez días tu desterrado cuerpo fuese hallado en nuestros dominios al momento será el de tu muerte. ¡Fuera! Por Júpiter esta sentencia es irrevocable. The curse of the devil. Exorcism, a sacrifice. Blessing or bestiality. Curse of the devil. Satan in control of the body and the mind. My love will destroy the creation. I swear that you'll find it. Welcome to the Nashi Cast. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And here tonight, we are back, finally, in the groove. We are talking about another Paul Nashi film. And uh, since we've been doing this for almost 10 years, mm-hmm. and uh, ooh, way more than 50 of separate Paul Nashi films, it's not uh, going to be much of a shock when we say this is a rare one. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, if you had told us we'd even made it to 60-some-odd episodes or, you know, that, that uh, the Nashi cast when we first started, we probably at that point didn't even think we'd find enough of these films to even be able to make it that far. Not really. I, I will say that uh, I was recently asked how many Nashi films we've covered, and uh, this being episode 61 of the mm. po- of the official Nashi right. cast strain of the, of the episodes, th- we haven't actually covered 61 Nashi no, films no. because... Um, well, first of all, one of the things that we covered was actually a documentary about Paul Nashi, the man who saw Frankenstein cry. Right. But also, uh, once we uh, were past the 50 film mark, we kind of started to run really low <laughs> on what what it was yeah. that we could get our hands on to cover. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a few episodes of the official Nashi cast have been us talking with other fans yeah. about their favorite Nashi films mm-hmm. and, discuss- and discussions of that type. So... Yeah, a couple of retrospectives and things like that on certain things. Certainly, certainly. So, yes, uh, this is episode 61 of the Nashi cast, which seems like a really low number when you think about nine and a half years of podcasting. <sighs> But you know there are all those beyond Nashi mm-hmm. episodes mm-hmm. that we sprinkled in there, and the mm-hmm. the uh, the interviews and the the various and sundries. The we did those year recaps for the first four or five years where we would kind of wrap up talking about the movies that we covered. You know, come up. It's, yeah. it's like more than there's more than a hundred episodes in this feed. So like mm. you know, there's plenty to find there. So yeah, yeah. 
we're so what hoping, are you complaining about? Yeah, what are you bitching about? So stop, stop griping. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is, it, is it clear that I must feel a little... <laughs> You're feeling a little pressured, aren't you? Yeah, well, yeah, I feel like, you know, God, we well, nine and a half years, and, and to, to say episode 61 <laughs> sounds a little freaking wussy. Yeah, I know, like, because it's because we know all these superhuman people who do, like, one a week or two or yeah. three a week, and, you know, which we are in, in awe of, but uh, don't know how they do it, but... I don't know how they do it. They don't have a freaking life, and they, they <laughs> buy speed off the street. Yeah. It's the only way. So uh, anyway, anyway, we believe in quality, uh, not quantity, and uh, whether we're actually achieving that goal, I don't know of either of those goals. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. But, well, we're not uh, getting the quantity, that's for sure. Yeah. So hopefully the Hopefully quality, there's some quality there somewhere. Hopefully. <sighs> Before we get to tonight's feature film, we will uh, remind you that just a few weeks ago, uh, actually about three weeks ago, we had the release uh, uh, by Scorpion releasing of the Paul Nashie film The Mummy's Revenge yeah. on Blu-ray. And uh, it was a glorious, glorious thing. If you, mm-hmm. if you rush over to the Ronin Flicks website, you'll still be able to get your hands on a copy before those things run out. Or you can buy it from a, a Diabolic DVD as well. Um, I have I got to tell you, I think the film looks absolutely fantastic. It does. There's, there's two different versions of the film on there. Uh, I've only watched one, and I've started going through the commentary track from Troy Howarth, and I'm very pleased with the entire disc. It is, man, it's, first of all, it's a beautiful film to begin with. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, borrowed sets from the Charlton <laughs> Heston film that they were able to use yeah. really adds luster and, uh, shall we say, uh, <clears throat> real budgetary mm-hmm. scale to yeah. everything. But it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful film. Uh, one of my favorite mummy movies of all time, and even even one of yours. It is, it is. I, I think it's a terrific movie. Is it, it, it? I think it's. It may still be the only head crushing mummy film in the world. Right? Uh, yeah. I think it is. Yeah, this mummy has a direct way of letting you know <laughs> when he's sizing up all these beautiful women as potential replacements for his mate. He has a, 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 a really. Uh, it's hard to misinterpret. His opinion on the ones that don't, <laughs> the ones that don't measure up, because they no longer have heads. heads yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, get out there if you've not had the opportunity or you were unaware. The Mummy's Revenge is out there to buy on the Roneflix website. Go get it; it's well worth your money. Yes, but also later this year, Mondo Macabro will be releasing another Nashi film on Blu-ray, and this is another one. It, well, it, this 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 is a biggie. This mm-hmm. is a oh, massive. Absolutely. One. This is the kind of thing that makes uh, Paul Nashi fans glad to be alive and viewing films in oh. this day and age, because they are going to be putting out the Beast and the Magic Sword, and it's from Mondo, the people who brought us the Inquisition Blu-ray. Few, uh, well, two years ago now, right? Twenty seventeen. Yeah. And so uh, you can count on it having a, a fair number of extras. As a matter of fact, uh, they just released, I think today, the details on the extras. They are doing a 4K restoration from the negative. The There's an archival introduction to the film d- done by Paul Nashi, I'm assuming for the Spanish DVDs, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. An archival documentary called Smile of the Wolf, which features Paul Nashi discussing all of his werewolf Which I've films. never heard of this thing. It sounds amazing. Uh, I've, I've heard of it. I've never been able to see mm-hmm. it. So this is going to be, I mean, this is great, uh, yeah. this worth purchasing the disc for that alone, in my opinion, mm-hmm. as a Nashi lunatic. Uh, also, brand new interview with Gavin uh, Badley, which is, uh, he's the guy who wrote the Fright Fest Guide to Werewolf Movies, and so he's got his own opinions on werewolfery, and I'm sure Paul Nashie as well. I'm interested to see that. 
And uh, strangely enough, there's also an audio commentary on it ah, by yeah. the two lunatics that you're currently listening <laughs> That's to. right. That's right. And that in itself will drive the price way, way up uh, and make this <laughs> an instant collector's item. But, but yes, Rod and I were asked to we were very we were very thrilled to be part of this, actually. It's pretty, oh, pretty awesome. It's Because uh, this is... Anybody who knows the history of Nashi is into Nashi's films, and you know how rare this film is uh, among Nashi's films. How little seen, it's been little distributed, and a fascinating movie. And we had a, a great time uh, doing the commentary for it. So, it's uh, I think I'm I'm really proud of the commentary track, and I can't wait till other people can hear it and, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully hopefully enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will say that the alternate. Uh, the, there's two covers that are on it. It's a reversible cover for the for the Blu-ray that Mondo will be putting out. And I got to say, the painted image <clears throat> that is the kind of the alternate yeah yeah cover art <laughs> is uh, rather risque. And yes, it is. It is. It, depending on who's what household you live in, who visits your household, you know you uh, you you will have the choice of two two uh, covers. Uh, the other cover is the one that. It looks more like an old VHS cover, you know, kind of artwork there, and it's but it's it's got a definite charm to it. But it may be the more easily the safer one to display. Yeah, one one is the original poster art mm-hmm. used for the film at the time when it came out in the eighties, and the other is a more recent uh, piece of artwork that's, mm. like I say, really impressive, but uh, <laughs> not family no, friendly. No, it is quite representative of the of yeah. the film itself, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, that's later this year. Apparently, that will go on sale sometime in October. Keep your eyes peeled uh, for Mondo Macabro's announcements about that. It, they, they'll do the limited edition first, and you can buy that directly from mm-hmm. them. Uh, I do recommend that because the, yes. their limited editions are usually worth it. They put in uh, either some kind of booklet or some kind of little extra that the standard edition won't have. The Blu-rays will be identical for the standard and limited editions, but, uh, man, mm-hmm. I'm... I'm, I'm the Nashi fanatic, so <laughs> gots to have, gots to have. Also, later this year, we should point out that uh, Elena, Mistress Elena, over on the um, Rises from the Tomb website, just Horror let Rises us... from Spain. In, oh, my in God. Spanish Fear. In Spanish Fear. Oh, uh, Spanish two. Fear. Oh, good Lord. You're right. I... I screwed that up completely. She just made uh, an interesting announcement today. There's going to be a DVD release that comes out here uh, in uh, late July, early August. It's a uh, European DVD, but I think it will be all regions. Uh, that actually is a documentary that focuses on the uh, documentary footage that was shot. I know that sounds contradictory, but it's mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> there was there was some do- there was a, a team of documentary filmmakers on the set of Jess Franco's Count Dracula back in uh, 1969 when he was shooting the film in Barcelona, and uh, it appears that uh, this new documentary is about that experience of being on the set and shooting kind of simultaneously while the movie was being shot, and so there are a lot of scenes that are in the finished. Jess Franco Count Dracula film that were also shot simultaneously by the documentary filmmakers, and so there appear to be uh, brand new interviews with uh, with uh, with uh, Chris Lee and a number of other members of the cast who were still around in the early two thousands, and um, gotta say I'm very excited about this because I knew about this documentary footage years and years ago, but I've never I was never able to see it, and this new disc gives us the opportunity to see all of that footage. And to also get some perspective on yeah. the shooting of that movie back in uh, 68, 69 
from the people who participated in it, including Jess Franco. They did interview Jess Franco. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, as you might be aware, of course, that uh, this documentary, it's called Dracula Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And apparently it was actually released in 2017 in Europe, but I've not been able to see it. And Mm. I'm just so glad this is going to come out now. Me too. Um, And, of course, a lot of the people who who are... in footage in this, including including Jess Franco and Christopher Lee, have now since passed on, and yeah, so this is yeah. a very exciting way to uh, kind of get a little bit more out of not just that film that they made together, but just uh, some more insights from the people who made a film of that uh, of that type. Yeah, I know. And after after Maria Rome has passed on, now I think Jack Taylor may be the only one left of the main cast. Uh, yeah, they interviewed Jack Taylor yeah, in it yeah, as well. Yeah, and um, it's it's. Uh, there's a trailer you can see online. Sadly, everybody is speaking Spanish, and the the, the uh, trailer is not subtitled. <laughs> so the only the only person speaking English is Christopher Lee. <laughs> but uh, that's that's worth looking up. So that's exciting. I, I can't wait to see that. That's later this summer, and then um, yeah, I think I think it, it's released in in late August. I'm pretty sure. And then we just got uh, some very a very tentative early announcement of this, which is also very exciting for Spanish horror fans. Synapse is going to be doing a full restoration and release of the first Blind Dead film sometime Mm -hmm. next year. We don't have any idea what's going to be on the disc. Uh, We do know it's Don May's company, so of course he will be doing a big 4K restoration of the movie. But there's been no no, uh, announcement of extras or what all is going to be involved with this thing. But... That means the first Blind Dead film, Tombs of the Blind Dead. Uh, yes, that's going to be, that's one of the, any fans of Euro horror and Spanish horror, oh, they're going to be uh, pretty, pretty happy about this one. So. It's very exciting that yeah, that's definitely. coming out. Yeah. Uh, with, with Night of the Seagulls uh, out from uh, Scream Factory, and then this one, it's like, it's like we're slowly being <laughs> water tortured to death <laughs> to get the Blind Dead films in high definition. <laughs> but it's happening, it's happening very slowly, and it's very spread out. But it's happening. So sometime next year, we, yeah, we get yeah, Tombs, Tombs of the Blind, Blind Dead. Dead. Yes. Everybody keep your fingers crossed that uh, the other, well, that the second film comes out on Blu-ray. <laughs> was, that, was that too clear? Was I was going to say, well, I thought your water torture reference there was a, <laughs> was, was a thinly <laughs> veiled reference to the, to to the third film. Mm-hmm. Yes, to the third. <laughs> no, no, no. Just the speed with which these films are coming out on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. It's very, mm-hmm. very ponderous. <laughs> but... Before we go too much further, tonight's film, shot in 1975, mm-hmm. uh, and mercifully brief. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler. Yeah. It's, the name of it is Los, Pasa, Los Pasajeros. Los Pasajeros, maybe? Los Pasajeros. Uh, shot in 1975. Let's uh, just say that for the next 20 minutes, and maybe we'll, we'll eventually get it right. <laughs> we'll eventually get it right, if we're very, very lucky. Mm. Uh, a, a very odd little uh, film that we will talk about here. Uh, Nashi does have a substantial role in it, mm-hmm. and uh, he's one of the most interesting things about it. And uh, we finally got a chance to see this because it got fan-subbed. And uh, if you poke mm-hmm. around in the right areas on mm-hmm. the... Uh, <laughs> interwebs you can find a copy as well as to whether or not you should want to do that well we'll discuss that here in a few minutes yes. so hang on folks we'll be back in a few minutes and we'll talk about this really obscure 1975 Paul Nashie film vampires werewolves zombies yes these things are real but fortunately for those of us who can afford him so is Mark Temple and he's good real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. 
and his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, The Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural, ghoulish, and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry, Mark Temple is discreet. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of her. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything yeah, that kept little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Science. <laughs> Passageros, 1975, a movie uh, written and directed by Jose Antonio Barrio, mm. who uh, didn't do a whole lot of films. No, no. And uh, definitely uh, had aspirations for being an art filmmaker, mm-hmm. because that is exactly the kind of film this is. First yeah, of all, yeah. first of all, let's uh, just get to the question of the title pinned down. 
translated directly, the title is The Passengers. Mm-hmm. But uh, the translation done, well, let's just say the fan subbing mm-hmm. done for the film, mm-hmm. which is how we can actually understand mm-hmm. what the heck is going on mm-hmm. to the extent that we can understand what is going on, is actually translated as The Travelers. Mm-hmm. So The Passengers or The Travelers. Now, The Travelers, I think, may be uh, a slight deviation from what it what it would normally be mm-hmm. translated as. But The Passengers or The Travelers, either of those titles actually does work. Yeah. But um, this is a rare one. This is not really a horror movie. Mm-mm. It's not uh, It's not what we mostly feared. I feared that this was going to be some kind of straight comedy. <laughs> I was going to say, you and you know, that was that was the good news, is that it was not a comedy, or at least it's not the type of comedy that I think we were dreading, you know, yeah, which as yeah. we've, you know, the broad, exaggerated you know, kind of comedy that just really doesn't doesn't translate well for Rod and I. <laughs> for yeah, it, it, it culturally yeah. Uh, travels poorly. Yeah. Let's put it that way. If this is a com, I can this is I could see how this may be thought of as a more as a satire. Possibly, I suspect Possibly. that it is a satire in some respects. Well, I think there's some confusion. I don't know. <clears throat> I think that there are a number of people who are Nashy fans who. Um, May have talked about this movie and not actually have ever seen it. And yeah. I think I think rule. I think the the number one position on that would actually be whoever wrote the um, <laughs> the uh, wrap up of that particular movie for the uh, end section of the English language edition of Paul Nashie's autobiography. Uh, there's a rundown at the back of the book, uh, a little blurb, some information, uh, paragraph or less mm-hmm. about most of Paul Nashie's movies. And the, the description in the back of that book uh, leads one to believe that the people writing the description of the film had not seen the film at all. <laughs> yeah. Or had seen some drastically different version of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or saw it years before they went to <laughs> to, to write the review. Either way, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, it's not the film. What they write about is not the film that, that you see. Let's describe this movie. This, yeah. is, this, is, this really is an odd one. The movie follows... Um, <clears throat> The movie follows a trio of hitchhikers mm-hmm. uh, somewhere on the open road, very rural. Yeah, the whole opening sequence there actually kind of made me think of Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll. You know, a little the, bit. The, the, the landscape that uh, Nashi's character walks across, and that kind of reminds me of, of the, what these where these characters are at. And what we have are two uh, male hitchhikers, young guys, obviously in their twenties, mm, Lewis and Carlos, who are. Uh, Meandering along and uh, trying to hitchhike and not mm-hmm. having a whole lot of success, uh, the time of year it seems it's a it's a little it's a little it's a little chilly out. Mm-hmm. Uh, one would say, but not yeah. definitely not winter, or at least it doesn't appear to be winter because we can't really ever see their breath. Mm-hmm. And they come across another hitchhiker, who is a, a middle aged woman, uh, mm-hmm. who seems to only have one big piece of luggage, yeah. which is this very large roundish mm-hmm. kind of trunk, mm-hmm. and. Uh, she distrusts them almost immediately, mm-hmm. uh, and they start kind of messing with her. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing, you know, sinister in what's right. going on there, and uh, they're not having any luck getting picked up until mm-hmm. a uh, rather expensive mm-hmm. car comes along and stops for the lady, of course. Now let's say uh, up front that uh, the woman is being played by. Uh, an actress we've seen before here on the Nashi cast, mm-hmm. Aurora Batista, uh, mm-hmm. Bautista, I think. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Google Translate translates her <laughs> last name as Batiste. <laughs> I thought it was Baptist. Baptist. Yeah, I think Baptist it's Aurora Baptist. Baptist. Is how yes. It's, uh, <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like that. 
Thank you, Google Translate, for <laughs> always getting pronouns wrong. And You're right. <laughs> for also screwing yeah. up her name. Yes, yes. And so anyway. Um, yeah, we most recently saw her in uh, Candle for the Devil. Candle for the Devil, covered, a.k.a. Yeah. Uh, Nightmare. It Happened at Nightmare Inn. It Happened at Nightmare Inn. That's right. That's the, that's the alternate title for that mm-hmm. one. But she is a wonderful actress who... Um, I think that one of the reasons Nashi may have taken this film mm-hmm. would be the would be the opportunity to work with this actress, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very easy to understand why she's she's very good in this. Mm-hmm. She is, and uh, the uh, as a matter of fact, she and Nashi are the two real reasons to see this. The top the top lining yeah. reasons to see this, and they are of course the two stars, and so that's not that much of a shock. In 1975, I think uh, they were doing uh, pretty well. Although mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. after this uh, after the mid 70s. Uh, Miss Batista started doing uh, a lot more work back in the theater again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's you know there are lots of kinds of roles. There are lots of reasons that might be that might that might um, play into that part of that being that of course she was uh, in her uh, mid I think mid forties by this time. Yeah, easily if not. Yeah, I think at least in the four, in her forties. Yeah. You know, yeah. Near, and uh, yeah, and and film film is a, a nasty bitch when it yeah, comes to pretty harsh uh, on the yeah. yeah. But she looks great in this film though. And oh, she looks fantastic. She I mean. <laughs> She was, from what I, I can't, I, I'm not sure of this, but I mean, she definitely does some nudity in this movie, mm-hmm. but I'm, I can't be for sure. There's one source that claims that this is the first, her first on-screen nudity. Hmm. And I'm not sure of that because I know she wasn't uh, totally nude in uh, Candle for the Devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some, you know, some moments mm-hmm. where she was, you know. Showing some skin, but right. I don't. Yeah. I don't think she was nude in this. Mm-hmm. There's a, a a good bit of a good bit of nudity, which mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. hey, uh, mm-hmm. much like Helga Linnae, she, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, she's she can hold her own against her younger co-stars. More than hold her own against mm-hmm. them, I think. Which we're also very, you know, lucky to get uh, Eva Leon in this film. Yes, you know, we are fantastic, and Lupita Tovar, Loretta Tovar. I'm sorry, who was in a ton of of uh, Spanish that, horror yep. films. But their roles are so insanely small. Well, that's true. I mean, it's, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of I kind of and rather wish, even contrived how they end yeah, up there. It's just like, hey, Carlos, I know Carlos from where he called me and said, hey, come join us, you know. And, yeah, and no, it's, it's a strange. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I le- I left the the I left the rather thin and almost non-existent plotline behind. Let yes, go let's back. go back. Yes, yes. <laughs> this won't take long, folks. So this wealthy this 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 very rich car um, pulls up. I think it's a Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. Uh, picks up the woman who's name is Veronica right just think and of the Elvis Costello song yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica of course they uh, stops to pick her up mm-hmm. and then we don't hear what she says to the driver but then she also invites mm-hmm. the two guys to uh, get in the mm-hmm. car as well mm-hmm. but she's kind of messing back with them the way they were messing with her with the whole with, you know teasing her with the whiskey you know and luring yeah. her with the alcohol and that she's kind of getting back make them think that they're going to be left and then talks the guy into picking them up too so they all load up in this Rolls, Rolls Royce and this fellow drives off with them now at the time, well, he he drives them to a nearby house. He explains that he's only going a certain distance, mm-hmm. and therefore he's really not going to be carrying them that far. But he does invite them back to uh, where he lives, mm-hmm. and uh, this turns out to be uh, the house of his uh, master or his employer, I should say. And he is a servant, mm-hmm. and it would uh, he was driving his his uh, employer's car. That's who owns the rolls, and they go to this. Rather secluded country house. Mm-hmm. It's not a mansion. That's something that I thought was interesting. Is yeah. it was interesting to note that this is not what I would typically have expected of a film that's set in mm-hmm. a you know the Spanish countryside. Mm-hmm. 
um, where you have a, a lot of older homes mm-hmm. that could be, you know, <laughs> you know, anywhere from 150 years of age to 200 or even, yeah. you know, something more modern. This is a much more modern house, and they don't try to play it up as something that's older. And I think that that may have been chosen for specific reasons that we'll get into mm-hmm. when we start to discuss uh, the reason this film exists. Which ain't a, which ain't the plot, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no. So they get there, and uh, he they 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 are introduced to the uh, the fellow's employer, who is played by Paul, Paul Nashy. Now, when we first see Nashy, he is dressed in uh, a king, uh, like a more like an English classic English king kind of. Right, very much a costume, obviously mm, a costume. Yeah, yeah. And from his opening dialogue, it's very clear that this man is either. Crazy, mm-hmm. or someone who has isolated himself and is wealthy mm-hmm. enough to mm-hmm. actually be uh, essentially kind of a Spanish version of the classic Europe- European or the classic English eccentric. Someone yeah, yeah. so wealthy that he can he just do, do or it, say yeah. whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So we have this guy who uh, sits them all down to a meal. The servant prepares a meal, and they're all sitting there eating. And things just kind of get weirder from there. Mm. Essentially, he entices his three visitors into not just staying, you know, staying overnight, but into uh, enacting certain sections of plays, classical plays, mm-hmm. for and with him for their own amusement. Mm-hmm. To one degree or another, these people become more and more drawn into doing this. With uh, one of them, really, one of the younger mm-hmm. men, actually becoming very, very infatuated and kind of obsessed with getting the details right in going through these sequences and mm. through these scenes and these plays. Yeah, he initially is the one who's the most resistant right. to he doesn't want to be there, doesn't have any interest until he finds out that their host is apparently a, had, has been a famous actor. And the more he finds out about this play, he that you're right, he becomes obsessed about that beyond everything else. Whereas his friend, Carlos, and Veronica are much more there just to kind of live it up at somebody else's expense. It's kind of right. like, hey, we're being wined and dined in this rich, you know, been pulled off the road and here now getting to stay in these rich dwellings. Let's, you know, let's have fun with it, you know. Plus, it, it's very clear that Carlos and Veronica mm-hmm. look like they're going to have a little tryst while they're mm-hmm. there. I mean, yeah. they're right. they're, uh, they're definitely, mm-hmm. they're definitely <laughs> groping each other pretty hard mm-hmm. and not making any secret of the fact that, you know, lust is in the air. Mm-hmm. So, while that while that is all going on, the film progresses. Now, how would you describe the type of movie this is? Well, it's definitely has pretensions, and that's you know yes. <laughs> emphasis yes. on the pretensions on uh, of uh, definitely of, of being something arty, artsy, you know, art, art, something that goes something that's supposed to be beyond, you know, concerned with more than a a plot telling a, a, yeah. a plot. This is not a movie that's interested in telling a conventional narrative. Mm. story. Story. This is not a movie that goes from point A to point B to resolution. I would describe it as being. And I'm not. A, I'm. I'm not an expert on this type of cinema, although I've enjoyed pieces that would follow in this description. But I think it's trying to be something of a kind of a Spanish tradition of surrealist cinema. Yes. And it certainly wears its influences on its sleeve. I mean, there's there's even one as if to drive the point really home. There's a sequence where they're watching Salvador Dali films. You know, if, exactly. if in case you didn't get it, that that's you know. And, of course, Salvador Dali and Louis Buñuel were incredibly influential on a lot of Spanish filmmakers. And my impression, knowing nothing about this guy who only made these handful of films, is my impression is that he's doing something that he wants to be kind of 
looked at, viewed, interpreted as people might interpret those type films at the same time, probably satirizing them a little bit or, you know, at the, you know, at, at least at least putting in references, I think, that are probably there for the that the Spanish film audience might recognize, you know, from yes. or, or films that we, of course, would not. And I think that what I was able to pick up from this mm-hmm. and understand people that uh, this is this is not a film that either of us would, I think, have sought out. Other than we're Paul Nashy fans, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, therefore being Paul Nashy fans, and therefore coming to it from a, a very much a genre perspective, mm-hmm. this is not the kind of film that we would seek out, or really to a large degree probably enjoy. Right. But there are films within this kind of surrealistic mm-hmm. genre, or yeah. the surrealistic style, I guess mm-hmm. would be the better way to phrase it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that I think we both love. Yeah. Well, if you look at it, the plot uh, certainly can be found in, I think, more than one Jean Roland film, you know, yes. but we particularly enjoy those more because of the vampiric settings. And I think they're just more visually, there's so much visual brilliance going on there as far as, you know, that captures your, captivates your attention, I believe in a way that well, this also, film I think doesn't really. Jean Roland in general has more narrative thrust. There yeah. seems to be, yeah, more uh, for more forward momentum in mm-hmm. his in his filmmaking style than in this, which I have to say, uh, seems to be a lot of the time intentionally static. Yeah, there are there are scenes that go on. Yeah, for longer than they need to, and it seems as if he's bringing letting the scene go on for a long period of time in an attempt to make a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking specifically of the scene between uh, Nashi and the servant at the dinner table. At the dinner table, where <laughs> yeah. it's just the two of them eating <clears throat> yeah. and discussing the plans for the mm. three travelers mm. or three mm. people, the three hitchhikers. Mm. And it seems that that is uh, intentionally drawn out while we're watching these two men mm. seriously sit there and mm. eat mm. and occasionally throw a comment or two at each yeah. other. And it's it's drawn out, and, it, and it's in a film that let's just say too is I I don't think the film. It's not poorly technically made. It's actually, it's not, it's not dazzling, you know, or like some, some great, you know, production. But I mean, as far as editing goes and filming and framing, I mean, it's fairly competently. It's competently. To the make me feel like there's a reason this scene goes on so long. It just. Right. Whatever it, just, it is, it just doesn't translate again. Is it satirizing a scene from perhaps some other type of famous film? Very that possible. That will know. But to me, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, there's, there's intention that's doing this. It's supposed to work something on us, but I'm whatever it is. If it, maybe it's just supposed to be funny that it just goes on and they keep eating, but whatever it is, it, it, it I didn't get it. You know, it, it really was very annoying. You know, I was, did. <laughs> I did get the sense that there is beyond just being vaguely uh, satirical. Mm-hmm. I think there are points in the movie that are meant definitely to be humorous, not you know laugh out loud humorous. We're right. Not talk, no, no, we're not no. talking about Abbott and Costello right. no, no, <laughs> levels no. of humor or t- types right. of humor, but what right. we're talking about here is kind of an, an arch level of humor yeah. that unfortunately only occasionally can I recognize it and I never actually found funny. Mm-hmm. And the reason I can recognize it stems primarily from the ways in which the lines are delivered by mm-hmm. some of the actors because mm-hmm. the looks on their faces tell me that this is meant to be an amusing line. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't yeah. translate, not just from Spanish to English, but it doesn't translate culturally Mm-hmm. To make me amused, yeah. So that I don't, I don't think of that as a a detriment to the film because that's just a movie definitely made for a different audience. And that's mm-hmm. fine and mm-hmm. good, but as far as the style of film is concerned, 
I think you and I both are, we, we admire filmmakers who work in this oh, yeah. style. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the most, the, the American version of this would be David Lynch. Well, and yeah, I was going to mention him too. That's, I think, who yeah. we both think of because here's, Here's something I was thinking. I watched the film. I was, you know, I feel for this type of film. For yes, I'm like you. We have enjoyed works that would be called surrealist cinema or that sort of thing. But if you're going to make a film like that, then it, it's it's success with you or not it hinges on the fact of, of how much you enjoy the ride, how much you enjoy the journey. Because yeah, because it's not telling a linear plot or or because plot is not what's concerned with, you're not going to get to a payoff of a great story. So, like watching a David Lynch film, you know, it just has to be such a joy to just be a part of the journey. That's what, and if it's not, then that's when it's gonna to 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 feel like a clunker. You know, that's when yeah. it's gonna that's when you're gonna start looking at your watch and when you're just gonna it's and just not gonna how, become. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, you know, I think that's kind of the feel that this film has. It just because it just doesn't draw you in. It just doesn't cap you know grab you because what's happening in front of you is just not compelling enough you know yeah. there's, it's, it's not it's not a captivating film no it's to not to be very clear um, it's it's a film ahead. that well it's a film that doesn't doesn't well it didn't draw me in and i'm going mm. to assume you feel the same right. way yeah because because of what you've already said but mm. to a large to a to a large degree what we're talking about here is a movie that strives to be as you say yes in the mm. vein of the classic spanish mm. surrealists mm. but does either doesn't seem to be pushing far enough in that direction, mm-hmm. or seems to not be uh, taking itself to that furthest extreme of that where it yeah. can get really interesting until about the last fifteen yeah. or so minutes, and by then, it's I won't say too late, but by then I think it's kind of to the point that it could already made whatever statement it was going to. Yeah, yeah. And now it just feels like that in the end piece is kind of. Flogging a dead horse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what we end up with, it seems to me, is a movie that is about commentary on Spanish society, mm-hmm. the government, mm-hmm. rich versus poor, yeah. exploitation mm-hmm. thereof, mm-hmm. and the the various ways in which the society bends itself into a pretzel-like shape trying mm-hmm. to make this seem okay mm-hmm. as the society continues to move forward into, you know, the the nineteen seventies at that point, yeah. quote unquote modern mm-hmm. the modern world. Because by the seventies Spain was opening up more and more to the outside world. And it mm-hmm. started in the late in the in the mid to late sixties and by the by nineteen seventy five this is definitely a position of that was untenable. The country was going to continue to open up no matter mm-hmm. how much the mm-hmm. old guard or the wealthy in the country kind of wanted to resist it. So you have the typical things that we talk about in a lot of uh, Nashi films that he plays with very, very clearly within the structure of fantasy and horror, which mm-hmm. is the older generation versus the newer generation and the tension that's oh, yeah. caused between the two of them. But this movie is actually more interested. It plays a little bit with that because we yeah. have the, the older characters um, complicit at the very least, mm-hmm. but definitely also being part of the the, the wealthy elite that... that Pulls, mm-hmm. pulls the strings and actually yeah. makes the, the poor people dance mm-hmm. to whatever tune they wish. But we also have that uh, biggest part of it being a comment on the rich versus the poor. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be one of the primary points. It seems to be taking specific stabs at things in Spanish culture that, unfortunately, we can only get in generalities. Yeah. So we're looking at this as outsiders to begin with, even if we saw this in the mid-70s, we would still be outsiders and have to kind of guess at some of this stuff. Oh, yeah. And even, you know, well, and, and so now, 40-plus mm-hmm. years later, yeah. we're looking at this thing 
as a relic of that time and really not having the frame of reference that would make it possibly a better a better more entertaining piece oh agree i, I agree I, I i really feel and you know this film made me think of a film that we haven't seen but it, i almost feel like at some point maybe we just need to watch it and cover it as, as an episode on our podcast or something because it's the it's such a touchstone film. The, the Exterminating Angel? Yes, because it's obviously, yeah, we've yeah. seen that reference, reference so many times, and we know what a huge film that is as an influence on so many Spanish filmmakers. True. And Well, there, it, it, it does take place around a dinner time. Exactly. So. And, I, and watching this, I thought, you know, maybe if I'd seen that film, maybe at least I would get a little more. Maybe there's things directly maybe. in this film that are that are referencing that. Uh, we know that film was a huge influence on Paul Nashie himself. You know, loved that, loved right. that movie. And, right. and maybe one reason why he was interested in doing this project possibly um although i actually i feel also that from nashi's point of view regardless of what i think of the film i I can see why he would be interested in doing this film especially at the time he did it because it's really hitting right on the heels of him having like two straight years of doing a bunch of really significant horror films and for him he was probably pleased to be doing something that might have made an impact or he might have thought if it's you know could possibly have an impact in a different kind of world than what he was being, you know, even though he enjoyed doing the horror movies, still, as an actor, oh, so you're probably, saying, I'm just saying, the reason he maybe, took the maybe, role, maybe he felt like, maybe this is a chance for me to branch out and to do a different kind of... to do art films? Yeah, yeah, maybe just maybe, to be able to maybe. get that to at least that respect that comes with that, maybe. Uh, well, and he's good in this film. I, mean, I, I think we both agree that. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but you may, have, you may actually be, you may actually be right there, because I had not thought of that, because um, the late 70s, were definitely a period of time where Nashi was trying his hand at mm-hmm. as many different genres as he could mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, yes, mm-hmm. to to branch out and to do other things. He had he, mm-hmm. Nashi was a not not to not to, to sound silly, but he was a bit of a Renaissance man, and he had mm-hmm. a lot of different kinds of interests. He was yeah. he was yeah. a, a fanatical researcher and, and mm-hmm. reader and and uh, uh, you know student student of history, student of culture, student of literature. So. Naturally enough, if he reached once he reached a certain point, of course he would have wanted to branch out into other types mm-hmm. of movies. And of course, mm-hmm. there are you're right that you know when this was made, this may have been one of one of the thoughts in in the back of his mind, or maybe even in the front of his mind, a very calculating choice to do something of this type mm-hmm. to lead him down other paths in yeah. the future. Because of course the the late you know the, the late seventies are definitely you know you can look at that that filmography from oh, yeah. seventy six to yeah. nineteen eighty and you see a, a large number of varied types mm. of movies being done and yeah you're right that fits right in here but I had not until you mentioned it had not thought mm. about mm. him trying to maybe dip his toe into the surrealist mm-hmm. uh, end of the pool to see you know <laughs> what the temperature yeah. was like maybe yeah. that may, you're right maybe that was part of this that, that that's that's a good that's that, that, that's as good a reason for doing it as I can imagine, really. La única manera de aquietarlos es hacerles ver con claridad que hemos acabado con ellos de raíz. Quitándoles toda esperanza de que nunca más volverán a levantar cabeza. Según eso, aconsejas la violencia. No veo otro remedio de desterrar ese viento de rebelión. Violencia engendra violencia. Mejor cabría tener los prisioneros de sus apetencias y sus deseos. Of course, whenever we can, we like to go to Nashi's own comments about 
whatever film that he has been a part of. Mm -hmm. And in this case, we do have him uh, commenting directly on this movie from the amazing interview from the uh, the old early 90s, 1991 issue of Videos. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, they went through almost all of his films and asked him about them up to that point in time. And for this movie, here's what Mr. Nash had to say. He said, quote, this is a strange film. Now, let's just say that that's... <laughs> that's, hey, you hit it nail on the head there, Paul. Can't, can't, can't you are, disagree you are, with you. <laughs> you're correct, sir. Let me start again, sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, quote, This is a strange film. I liked the script since it gave me the chance to play a variety of characters. Furthermore, the central character was my idea. Here I had the luck of working with some great names of the Spanish cinema, like Aurora Bautista. It's a surrealistic film. Directed by a crazy man <laughs> who never directed anything again. The story was about a gentleman who sent his chauffeur out to pick up hitchhikers and take them to a house where they set about performing classic works that end up with the death of the protagonists. In the end, it's revealed that they are all alive and everything returns to the beginning once again with the chauffeur picking up hitchhikers. Unquote. Okay, a couple of nits to pick. <laughs> yes, yeah. That may be how he remembers the script yeah. being written, mm. but that's not how the film as we saw it actually mm. ends because some of the characters still are quite dead mm -hmm. by the end of the movie. Yes, they, yes. And only two of them seem to escape. Right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the chauffeur going out to mm. pick, out, pick up more hitchhikers is probable, Yeah. Uh, but it's, that's, uh, the, 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 the people mm. who get off seem to right. still be dead because, mm. well, we, we saw their corpses. As a matter of fact, they... <laughs> Tried rather unsuccessfully to torch one of the corpses, and it right. didn't go very well. Um, What's funny is it seems like Nashi is Nashi is, is kind of giving it an even more surreal ending than it really had. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like I think that that may be the way the script was written, and that's it how he's remembering well be, it because probably, yeah. that it, that's the kind of ending that would have drawn him, at, you know, mm -hmm. to it possibly because it having a very high-minded uh, surrealistic tone. And then having an ending that loops back on itself as mm -hmm. if it were back at the beginning again, that would be a really interesting way to go. And I can see how that would draw anyone in who had uh, the desire to do this type of movie. Mm -hmm. But that's not how the movie ends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now, that is not to say that maybe there's some other you know, alternate cut of the movie out there, but uh, for a movie that barely got released yeah. and was, from what we can tell, not at all a success... Yeah. And was probably seen by fewer people than pretty much any other Paul Nashi film, say, in the two years before or after he made this particular film. Yeah, because yeah, apparently it didn't even get shown until like 1980, is my understanding, you know, like four years or so after it was made. Uh, and also, um, you know, obviously this print that we saw, which is... You know, not great. Let's just say that we're happy. It's from to, a, we're, it's we're from happy a, to have it. It's a TV. It's obviously taped yeah, on television. It's, yeah. from, it's from a television broadcast. Yeah, because yeah. you can see where it cuts out the commercial breaks. Right. I mean, I will say that at least it doesn't overstay its mm. welcome. It's only mm. about an hour and fifteen or twenty minutes long. Yeah. So, uh, although it does uh, take its time getting mm -hmm. to you know mm -hmm. where it wants to go, and mm -hmm. uh, isn't always all that compelling. No. Or interesting. Um, at least it's fairly brief. It doesn't drag itself out to some ridiculous two-hour length. Mm -hmm. But the good things in it are, I think, the three performances. Mm -hmm. The two leads, I think Nashi mm -hmm. is having a really good time because mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, he gets yeah. to he gets yeah, to yeah. Uh, 
he gets to play dress up quite yeah. a bit in yeah, a number absolutely. of different costumes, mm-hmm. uh, enact a few uh, scenes from classic uh, theater, mm-hmm. um, and then at the same time, kind of have a little bit of fun. I think he's having a good time during that uh, dinner scene, regardless of how mm-hmm. absurdist and pointless it may seem to us. Now, absurdist yeah. may actually be one of the That's aims of yes. that yeah. sequence, probably so, as well as maybe a couple <clears throat> of other sequences in the mm-hmm. movie. I think absurdism mm-hmm. is something that the, the filmmaker seems to be occasionally going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a question of, uh, unlike surrealism, absurdism is a very tight rope. Yes, it is. And it's very easy to fall off of it. Absolutely. And if you're not talking to an audience that's grasping Mm -hmm. the precise reference that you're being absurd about, Mm -hmm. you are going to just zoom right past Mm -hmm. anybody's comprehension, and it's just going to be gibberish. And unfortunately, I think those absurdist sections we we discussed earlier, it's like, okay, so we're watching them eat. I mean, literally watching them eat for what, at least five minutes? Yeah, yeah. At least yeah. five full minutes of right. screen time as a static mm-hmm. shot with just the two of them in it? And the whole, the actor that plays the, you know, or the butler uh, is, I think, there's oftentimes, I think he's almost doing a kind of uh, absurdist or parody kind of take on the classic creepy butler, you know, yeah. carrying yeah. the candelabra around with kind of the big blank vacant stare and the running around with his arm, you know, like when he walks, he doesn't even, you know, his arms just stay straight, stiff at his side. Well, he's a. Well, his, the the actor's name is uh, Heinrich Star, uh, Starnberg. Yeah, I think it was. It uh, also was a go, aka Henry Greger. I think is how yeah. he's listed sometimes. Yeah. And but yeah, now, he's interesting. He didn't have a, a a huge a huge career in film. He was in uh, the Dracula Saga for Klamowski. Made a mm. couple of other films with Klamowski. He was in this and Death of a President with uh, Nashi, mm-hmm. and then uh, quite a few films up through about 1982, mm-hmm. 83. He was at the beginning of uh, Dr. Jekyll and the Werewolf in the kind of Appar- first, yeah, in the party in, yeah. the, in the scene where the kind of uh, first time you see Dr. Jekyll in that His scene, face is easy to spot. It very is, very Yeah, easy. yeah. But uh, he, was, he was apparently the son of uh, an Australian political figure, Prince Ernest Rudiger von Sternberg. Mm-hmm. and the Austrian stage and screen actress, Nora Greger. So apparently uh, he wanted to take after his mother's mm-hmm. uh, profession. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of just uh, you know uh, did for a little while, apparently, but did not stick around. Uh, sadly, he did pass away at the age of 62 in 1997. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea what he was doing with his time once he yeah. stopped being uh, someone mm-hmm. pursuing some kind of film career in the early 80s. Oh, he was also in Devil's Possessed, or he worked on The Devil's Possessed. I'm sorry, he, he worked on The Devil's Possessed. He wasn't an actor in it. Okay. But he was like an assistant director hmm. in it. Wow. So it, he may have been honestly trying to find himself a position within the film industry. He may have just been a big film mm-hmm. fan and wanted mm-hmm. to be on screen, uh, or at least work around the industry in some way or another. Um, but <clears throat> He was a producer on this film as well as acting in it, right? Yes, or, yes that's what I thought. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So he might have even put up a lot of the financing possibly for the film. Uh, yeah, I think he was a producer. He had, he had about eight production credits. And right. So he was also a producer on uh, Death of a President as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he was uh, mm-hmm. a rich son of a rich family kind mm-hmm. of playing around in the film industry or if that's mm-hmm. uh, maybe a misread of the, of him. But uh, he's still he's still actually uh, one of the more entertaining things in this movie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, he is, and I think in a lot of ways I can almost I think you can almost make an argument he might be in a way the kind of central character, kind of that drives kind of yeah 
because I think a lot of things are kind of told from his point of view, and I, and you know, and and I think that his character has a lot of perhaps anger, resentment, maybe towards both ways, both his you know the, his position, those above him, and and kind of the ones he sees as beneath his contempt as well. Yeah, yeah, he does seem to have a very sneering attitude toward mm-hmm. these hitchhikers. He does mm-hmm. not seem to uh, he doesn't seem to really want them there, but it's 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 as if well it you know it's kind of well you know it's a living. It's mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of seems to be his attitude toward the, toward the whole thing at times, mm-hmm. which is you know a distasteful uh, mm-hmm. a distasteful act that he has to mm-hmm. to do as part of his job. Mm-hmm. Um, There's times when he. You know, again, going back to that eating scene, you know, he's sort of seated there at the table with with yeah. Nashi, his his boss, you know, his employer, and there you have this discussion. He's trying to urge him, talk about what to do with, talking about their guests, and they're referring to them as like rebels. You know, how do we quell this these <laughs> yes. rebels? And he's suggesting, he's urging extreme violence. You know, whereas right. whereas Nashi's kind of like, eh, maybe not be that. You know, maybe we should pull not be that extreme, not that hard on them. But he's like, he's kind of trying to be at times almost make himself wants to see himself as an equal to his host but then there's but then I think he in most in a lot of scenes kind of gets humiliated or sort of put back in his place and kind of the most, most extremes is we have the scene where Paul Nashi you know obviously assaults Veronica you know where you know which happens off camera but it's the scene where he's obviously succeeded in forcing himself upon oh, her yeah. you know okay and then we have the next scene where bizarrely she's dressed as a maid and scrubbing the floor and and, and the butler's yeah. like they're whipping but then when he tries to assault her she basically beats him up, you know, and it's, it's again, I think it's kind of trying to show no, that he's, that's that, that that's supposed to fuel his, supposed to show fueling his frustration with that he's, right. he can't, he doesn't have the power that, that his lord, you know, his, the, his employer has. But, and, and that whole sequence, but what you've just described, yeah. both pieces of it, always, mm. while watching it, all I can think is this is supposed to be symbolic. Yeah, yeah. Of, mm. of um, the power structure within Spain. This is mm. very much uh, Nashi as a supposedly benevolent Mm-hmm. leader right mm-hmm. the benevolent dictator mm-hmm. and the servant being like the upper the upper levels mm-hmm. of the ruled or the of the controlled mm-hmm. trying to make himself appear worthy of being in those upper levels mm-hmm. by being a hard ass and by you know wanting to put his foot down you know by mm-hmm. by suggesting that the the way to handle the mm-hmm. rebellious poor mm-hmm. people is by mm-hmm. crushing them mm-hmm. but the dictator who it you know, if he had his druthers, that's what he would do because that's kind of the way he thinks as well. Mm. But given just a few seconds to think about it, he realizes well, if we do that, then we mm. we mm. essentially kill all the ones that are going <laughs> to be doing what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. If we kill the rebellious spirit, then we don't actually have anybody to do the work. Yeah. And so, like I say, I kept reading into this symbolism that seemed kind of obvious to me to a degree. At least I'm reading that into it. It seems that they're being so arched that that seems to be how it could be read very mm-hmm. easily. But at the same time, I don't know if there are specifics. But for instance, as you said, they, mm-hmm. then we cut to, we, well, well, you can read that, you know, off scene, sexual assault scene. I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. as being, you know, obviously taking advantage of the less wealthy. Right. And then the next scene, we have that taking advantage of woman being put mm-hmm. into an even lower subservient position Mm-hmm. Because of that action, right? Yeah, and then rebelling against being yeah. Yeah. lower than the other servant. Yeah, and so there seems to be a lot of ideas being tossed yeah. out here by the screenplay and by the the director. But at the same time, I don't know how successful you. Like I'd say, you'd have to be in Spain in the mid seventies yeah. 
to and may, maybe even then have to be very politically savvy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to understand maybe what this guy was going for and what his point may or may not have been. So I can, I will admit, while sitting there watching a the movie, I had some fun trying to figure out what was symbolized by what. Mm-hmm. And some of it's very obvious when you mm-hmm. have the rich mm-hmm. and the poor. I mean, the, the, the symbolic trappings of those particular types mm-hmm. are very obvious within the story. That's It's mm-hmm. not... It's not easy to miss. I mean, you're, you'd have to be incredibly obtuse yeah. to not figure out, yeah. oh, well, these are poor people. These are mm-hmm. rich people. Mm-hmm. He's putting them in the, in the position. Some of them are succumbing to the desire to please the wealthy. Some of them are rebelling or ignoring mm-hmm. or whatever it is that makes them less uh, less useful to the rich, and therefore they're the first ones to die. And, and I think maybe Lewis and Carlos always kind of see their characters as possibly a Two two representation, kind of both sides of the counterculture and youth, kind of represented in the fact that Carlos is the hedonistic, really free, independent kind of you know yeah. fun loving, pleasure seeker of side of young people at that time, and whereas Lewis is the kind mm-hmm. of tortured, pretentious, aspiring to serious, yeah, you know, he, he's, serious he's, the more, of, he's the more cerebral of the two. Yes, yes, and of course he because he is more cerebral, he at first recognizes that this is not something that he wants to be a part of, but then mm-hmm. once he is seduced mm-hmm. into being a part of it, mm-hmm. he's all in. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he is absolutely a part of it, and as a matter of fact, becomes almost a lieutenant. And is he almost kind of part of that counterculture that, that you always suspected is really just kind of waiting to be seduced into the bourgeois, as they say, yeah. you know, and yeah. seduced into the, you know... Um, so yeah, and that's and, and so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing with those two characters. There was just that kind of parallel, those kind of dual sides of them. It seems to me that, and I know this is going to sound mean spirited, mm. but it seems that if you had the bare bones of the screenplay as we kind of see it as probably being laid out on the page, if you'd handed that script to Nashi and, and asked him to direct it instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm you might have gotten a more coherent and universal story out of it mm. instead of one that kind of flounders around and doesn't really have any forward momentum. or, or <clears throat> There's no real push yeah. to get you through. I mean, what got me through in one sitting very easily was the fact that I knew it was a short movie. Yeah, right. Okay. That did help. Yeah. yeah. I knew it wasn't a long yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, there was <clears throat> enough... You know, there was enough bizarre bizarreness in it to mm. keep me kind of wondering what the hell was going to happen next. And it really was just the question of, well, how how are they going to end this weirdness? Plus, kind of enjoying Nashi's performance, and and uh, you know, there's the occasional bit of stray nudity here and there. Mm. So there's enough mm. exploitation within it to keep you kind of wondering yeah. what they're going to do next. Are we going to get some yeah. graphic violence? Is this going to be something, you know, really out of bounds that they might pull here at the end as kind of a shock effect? Uh, so there's, who knows? You could look at uh, Human Beast as probably an example of what Nashi might do with some similar kind of basic right. idea or tone and give it right. that kind of menace and sort of a dark, you know, it could have given to this film. Right. And this film doesn't have that. If it there had a no little menace, bit more yeah. of a sense of, of that. There's no of edge. Of which, there's yes, no edge. exactly. That would, yeah. If it had some edge, and that's mm. what I mean by having this story, maybe even just exact screenplay mm. handled by someone who honestly had an ability to bring uh, a sense of danger to mm. this to this setup because it's kind of it's set up to be a dangerous and kind of scary yeah. idea but it just never feels that way it just feels slightly bemusing yeah. and odd mm-hmm. the 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 humorous bits that are obvious to us as way outside the culture 
they don't hit us as funny. No. We can recognize some of them as being things that were probably meant to be funny, but that's as yeah. close as we get. Mm. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, um, not a lot of people seem to be aware of this film or have even been able to see it. And, of mm. course, uh, since we're dealing in people who, uh, well, mostly speak English, we're talking yeah. about a very yeah. small subset of even fans mm. of Nashi that would have been able to seek this movie out. Luckily, uh, Troy Howarth, who wrote the book Human Beasts, the, the films of Paul Nashi, which just came out last year, mm -hmm. uh, he did go out of his way. He was able to find a copy of this film. So, mm -hmm. uh, Although he does not uh, give this film an entire chapter because yeah. Lord knows it, it really is not a quote-unquote yeah. Paul Nashi film. He's just an actor in it. Yeah. Uh, he does have some comments about the movie. And uh, I thought I'll, I'll read these off and see what you think about this, Troy. Los Pasajeros <laughs> is something of a would-be art house film but its mixture of comedy and fantasy is peculiar, to say the least. The story deals with a trio of hitchhikers who find themselves being picked up by a strange man in an expensive car, played by Starnberg. The man shuttles the three back to his home, where it's revealed that he is the chauffeur of a wealthy eccentric named Mr. Aqu Aquintos. Aquintos, I think, was, was that name. Yeah, that's Paul Nashi. Aquintos is a particular man with a love for costumes and disguises, and he talks the three passengers into participating in a little play that he has written. Somewhat unbelievably, they agree, but when they fail to measure up to his standards, Aquinetos changes his tune and begins killing them off. No. <laughs> not exactly. It's not no. exactly. That's that's not exactly what happens. It's close. Yeah, well, it brings up an interesting question is, is how much does Aquinetos really know about... Right. How much does he intend for what happens to happen, and how much of it is his servant enacting his own little... Grand Guignol play or whatever, you know, without his knowledge. Because even the closest we come to maybe a murder committed by Aquintos is that we see him and Loretta Tovar, you know, have have a, you know, I think, I think it's, um, I believe that they have, and I'm all right, that they have sort of a scene together. And then the next time you see her, she is dead, naked in the bed. I think Eva Leon finds yes, her I body. Yes, I do believe, yes. But we don't actually see who kills her. Right. And of course, we know everybody else is killed by the butler. So we don't really ever know if if, if the host, if, if Paul Nashi's character, actually kills anybody in the film. We don't ever know if he's really no, we don't. manipulating all this behind the scenes and letting the butler do his dirty work, or if he never knows what's going on. And and from and from what the way he's acting, and this is something that might mm. you know fold into what they're trying to be symbolic about, which is he never directly addresses anything like that. Right. And so right. he may be pleased or mm. actually wishing for these things to happen but wanting to have a very hands-off way of having yeah. it dealt with so that his hands are never you know his hands are yeah. never bloody which goes back to what we we're talking about possibly an indictment only those in the power elite yeah. that rule the country having the having one level below them as the, the workforce that you know, keeps the lower, enact, the you know lower, which yeah. you know that that's happening happens in our country so yeah we all know it certainly like, does yes. Uh, continuing, uh, he says, uh, Los, uh, Los pa uh, Paseros is a very strange little movie. It plays things fairly low-key and comic for much of its running time, then it adopts a much more macabre and nihilistic tone. Nashi's character is evidently old scratch in human form, thus setting the stage for the much superior El Caminante. He's very good in his role, and he and Sternberg make an agreeable, perverse pair of villains, but the movie is much too vague for its own good. Clearly, director Jose Antonio Barrio was aiming for the art house as opposed to the grindhouse, but it doesn't quite deliver on its ambitions, and the end result feels quite a bit as schizophrenic as the devil's possessed. Um, 
I haven't, I haven't, we, we haven't discussed his, his commentary on the Devil's Possessed, which is uh, for a whole different, so a whole different mm. show. We'll talk about this right. another time. But I, th- I think I agree in general with his uh, comments about uh, the film not delivering on its ambitions. I definitely agree with him on that. I do not agree with Nashi's character being yeah. a form of the uh, the devil. Neither do form. I. Neither do I. I don't think that's what's being aimed for there at all. Uh, if I think that it's maybe it's possible to read the symbolism. That's what I was thinking. Well, the way, way he says it, he makes it he makes it sound like it's just obvious, and I would not say that. Oh, I do think yes, you could read it that way because I do know there's a lot of there's a couple of times there where he talks about the soul. There's some quick yeah. cutaways to religious icons and art and that sort of thing. True. But I think with us, I think our tendency is to see him more as an example of the establishment and the fascist regime and that sort of thing more quickly, more more readily than we would think of him as supposed to be either the devil or or yeah. a satanic type of personality. Um, it does. It is interesting. I think you know. It's interesting that Howard had that reading on it, but I don't think it's as evident as he as he claimed that it is. I mean, I think it's a possible reading. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I think that there's much more evidence for it being a, a commentary on Spanish society than mm-hmm. a commentary on uh, religious structure yeah. or church structure. Right. Um, because, like you say, there's not very much in the way of religious iconography or imagery within the movie. So I don't mm-hmm. really. It does. The, it never feels like it's pushing in that direction at all. It much. It mm-hmm. seems much more. Uh, much more of a uh, a secular kind mm. of mm. commentary than mm. a religious one. So. Mm-hmm. He's definitely right on when he says though that it's yeah that it's whatever it's you know it has the aspirations to be something I think cerebral and you know or something yeah. more deep and more and interpretive and it just doesn't uh, doesn't make you really just want to spend that much time doing it you know unfortunately and just even the second time around and I read those comments. Before I watched it the second time, and so the second time around, I wanted to kind of think about what he said and try to see it that way, and it still didn't do that for me, you know. And second time around, the film didn't improve for me either, really, you know. It, it didn't, um, I think it, you know, uh, maybe I appreciated some of the performances a little more, you know, uh, but uh, but I appreciated it in the first time around, too. So even the second run through didn't really enhance the film any in my eyes. Well, I have to say, I think that it takes a huge amount of talent to be as pretentious as this kind of story has to be or as this kind of film has to be I should mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. it takes an amazing yeah. amount of talent to make that entertaining yes it does um, when you start bringing in a certain level of this kind of pretension mm-hmm. you've really got to bring mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. to it yeah. to make it something that does not kind of eat its own tail uh-huh. and I feel mm-hmm. that this one kind of chokes yeah. on its own tail to yeah. a degree so yeah. Uh, so I ended up giving this uh, about a four out of ten. I do. I don't think it's a particularly good film. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a couple of interesting things in it, mostly a couple of performances, mm-hmm. and beyond that, it's nothing more than an odd little curiosity to see yeah. if you. Got if just, you just got to see it all. Just got to see, see it every all. Nashy, every every frame of Nashi committed to you know film you've got. And, if, and, if you're as sick as we are. Yes. 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 Is uh, the. Um, four is exactly what I gave it to. Um, oh, okay, four out of ten. All right. I think because the points I gave it was on the performances, on the fact that, as I said before, it's it's at least it's not incoherently made. You know, no, as far as no. you know the edit, and and also leaving in the fact that maybe there's some cultural things, references to films that we've not seen, references to things in Spanish culture that might enhance it a little more if we got it or something got that. Yeah, I give it the points on that, but I couldn't give it more than four because I can't imagine ever wanting to watch this movie again no. unless it 
came out on some pristine Blu-ray, which I don't think will ever happen. And uh, um, no, just, 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 just I don't think it needs. I don't think no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not calling for it too. But if it did, we would probably have to. Okay, I'll have to see that. But but and I can't imagine recommending it to anyone. Like I said, it's just like you said. If you feel like you've got to see every frame of Nashi, then go for it. But otherwise, I can't see any. Well, I'm, I'm amused by what Beth said earlier when she was. But my my poor, poor. Oh, his girl. He made her oh, watch. He Beth. made his girlfriend watch this. Folks. Can you believe I'm, that? Yeah, that's. I. Sometimes she's forced to watch things Man. that she doesn't wow. necessarily need to or want to watch, and <laughs> and so I got an earful about this one because <laughs> I bet you, you did. Know, I, yeah, of course I did, and I I think that, it was a uh, cold, cold, cold bedroom that that night. <laughs> well, I was amused by what she said to you earlier before we came upstairs to record, which yes. was. Please make sure that people know this is not the first Nashi film they should see. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no fears there, Beth. We will not. We will make sure everyone knows. Do not, do well, not begin your Nashi journey with this well, what, film. What's terrible is she's seen a number of Nashi films, of course, but over yeah. the, you know, over the years. But I mean, I think within just a week, she saw for the first time she saw this film, mm-hmm. and a few days before she saw for the very first time the Mummy's Revenge off the new Blu-ray. And let's just say that she really liked the Mother's yeah, Revenge yeah, right, and yeah. really did not like <laughs> <Yeah>. this one. So, <laughs> yeah, there you have there. You, that's a pretty good spectrum if you're wanting to like see the range of Nash's, the yeah. quality of Nash's films. That's a pretty good one there. To <laughs> she go takes by. the head crushing mummy every time. <laughs> yeah, head crushing mummy. Well, yeah, the mummy would have crushed every head in this film before they ever got any pretenses about being. Oh, snooty and <laughs> damn it! He's trying to find a, a, a good body to put to put the right. soul of his beloved into. Yeah. What is all this pretentious bullshit going on? <laughs> oh Lord! All right, folks. Well, hold on just a second. Uh, we've got a we few got pieces. Mail. We uh, got yeah, mail. yeah, we got mail. It's like an it's like an old AOL commercial. <laughs> yeah. uh, hold on a minute, folks. We'll be back and uh, we will uh, we will let you know what uh, these people who have written to us have to say. Just how drunk are we gonna? Get Welcome to Good Beer, Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy. Kill more crates. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Dave. I have the weirdest boner. And Pete. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top fermented. I f- that up. <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> As we drag Kathleen, Hear me. kicking and screaming through an alcohol-fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault.
right, everyone, uh, we're back. We've got a couple of pieces of email. If you want to email us as well, remember the address is nashicast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We've got a couple here. Uh, let's start with this one. It's from Jonathan. He says, hey, guys. As a regular listener of and occasional contributor to Monster Kid Radio, I've been aware of your podcast for a long time, and recently I finally found time to find time to listen. <laughs> there was just one problem. I had never seen a Paul Nashy film. So when I found myself on a four-day weekend for July 4th this year, I decided to take matters into my own hands. I was determined to watch at least one Nashy film, if only so I could finally listen to one of your episodes. I love Giallo, so I thought Blue Eyes of a Broken Doll would be a good entry point, and it was. I followed it up with Mark of the Wolfman, then finished my impromptu Nashi marathon with Hunchback of the Morgue. <laughs> well, that's, oh, a, that's, a, that's a good trio. Mm -hmm. Thumbs up. Uh, he says, In the weeks since, I've watched four more of the Daninsky werewolf films, three more of his standalone films, and the entire series of Blind Dead films. I can't get enough. I've been tearing through your podcast just as fast as I'm tearing through Nashi movies, and I wanted to thank both of you for waving the Euro Horror banner. Without your podcast, I would never have found so many incredible films. Thank you for your wonderful show, and keep up the good work. Signed, Jonathan. I'll I'll save his uh, his last name so he uh, if it, if at a later time he decides to curse our names, we can uh, we can let him do it in in silence. He, yeah. he doesn't have to be known as the person who turned on us. <laughs> well. Right now, it's, uh, it sounds like he's crediting us with uh, uh, changing his life, uh, changing uh, I, his for. Yeah, I and, guess so. <laughs> man, uh, you know what can I say? I mean, this is an amazing to get these kind of messages from time to time. Is uh, I mean, that's kind of like the thing that makes it the most worth it for doing what we're doing oh, yeah. is the idea. It's it's you know one thing to meet fellow Nashi fans, but to actually create new Nashi fans it, the occasional oh, yeah, new Nashi fan oh, is pretty wow. awesome you know so it's it's uh I, until you said it out loud just you never realize the second, sheer I guilt never, the uh, sheer uh, never it, shame about. of uh, <laughs> the shame of <laughs> no, I, I never really yeah. thought about the fact that it, I, I I should have I just never mm. formulated mm. the thought in this way which is yeah I guess that it's possible that we just mm. like this guy I guess we have kind of possibly created some Nashi fans mm -hmm. I I guess that in a way though that's kind of what we were probably aiming for when we well, started sure. this podcast yeah. in the first place we definitely want to do enhanced yeah. interest you know and we knew that there might be the occasional person coming in who just had the passing curiosity and like okay you know fun podcast let me try a film and 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 took off with yeah. it so yeah I, I guess yeah, I, awesome. guess, I guess that feeling I'm feeling is a is a swell of pride <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we're doing maybe we've done something right for these nine and a half yeah. years Troy I I'm a little stunned. I can tell by the list of uh, mm. that it looks like he may have gotten his hands on those Shout Factory sets if mm. the, the movies that he was going mm. through are any indication. Um, yeah. I mean, if it's having those Blu-rays out there that makes it easier to become yeah. a Paul Nash. You found we are very lucky since, well, for yeah. the past two years to have so many of those films out there. I wonder if he's seen, uh, well, he, he doesn't list the four other, he says four Daninsky werewolf films, three more of his standalone films. I wonder if he got a chance to see, uh, like, uh, Count Dracula's Great Love or, or Inquisition or, or, or yeah. yeah yeah huh well, I, now now Jonathan I do feel you you sound like you're 
trying to watch the films that we cover on these podcasts, I do feel bad if in order to hear our response to your letter means you're going to watch the film we covered tonight. So uh, maybe we'll, <laughs> we might just respond directly to your email and, and tell you thanks. But, you know, yeah, if, you, so. you, if you want to hear your, our response, fast forward to the or what or actually just listen actually, to the episode, listen to the episode. But, but don't watch the movie, I guess. Yeah, this is not a film that you need you to seek out. You don't have to. No, maybe, you don't. Yeah. Maybe but just you can still enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, probably. Yeah, maybe it's best. <laughs> it may be the best way to, to just listen to us talk about it. Yeah. That's probably... Honestly, that's probably option A. Yeah. Option B is be. seeking out the subtitled mm. fan subbed version of this. Mm. <sighs> but that's I, I. Thank you for writing and telling us. Yeah, about no, this. really, that's fantastic. Appreciate. I, it. Very rarely do mm. I get, um, and I'm, I'm very bad about communicating this to Troy, and I feel kind of bad about that now. But I do occasionally get, once or twice a year, I'll get a a, a, a note from someone either through uh, Facebook Messenger or something like that. Someone who has um, sat down and watched uh, a Nashi film and then listened to one of our commentary tracks or one of our episodes yeah. and will direct message me or send mm-hmm. me a message over Facebook or Twitter or something like that yeah. and say, hey, I just wanted to tell you, man, mm-hmm. that that was I really yeah. enjoyed that. And and yeah. luckily, it's the ones who actually seem to enjoy it who reach out. Thank yeah. God. No, that's good. <laughs> not, the yeah. ones who, not the ones who think we're assholes. <laughs> so uh, that, that's that's good. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of that's really entertaining, especially when it's somebody whose work you've admired as well. Yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. uh, that's good to know. Thank you very we, much for writing, John. And we do that love Monster very... Kid Radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Uh, oh, I need to. That reminds me. I've got to. I've got to talk to uh, Derek again soon. We he and I've got to uh, do the do uh, do some more of the uh, William Castle westerns. We've yeah, been covering. Right, I, right. I've been. Uh, Man, I've been slacking off. I've got, I've let, I let a few of the little, of the little series slide. We've also well, we've got well, so many going here. Yeah, well, I know. Court and I have also got to do the last of the uh, the Coffin Joe films. Oh yeah, and right. I've kind of been intentionally letting mm. that one let some mm. time pass because so much, so much time passed between the second and the third one yeah. that I thought it would be fun to kind of yeah. let enough to let, uh, let let some time pass. But now I've let a year pass. Yeah, I've really been slacking. That's bad. <laughs> I need to talk to Court anyway. We got another piece of email here. This one's from Don, and I, once again, I won't uh, I won't use his last name. Uh, I just had the opportunity to listen to the Mike Tatino interview show and found it very enjoyable. There is much enjoyment in hearing what other Nashi fans and Eurohara fans in general have to say about their favorite films. Of course, why would Crimson ever be one of them? <laughs> <laughs> Fury of, the, Fury of the Wolfman I can understand as it is like trying to piece together things from multiple puzzles that don't go together. <laughs> and that is a good way to put that. Yes, it is. Hopefully there will be a few more shows of this type as it was a joy to listen to. I just had a peek at the Scorpion disc of Mummy's Revenge, which I supplied the trailers for. Oh, good job, Don. Thank yeah, you very much yeah. for that. Yeah. And it is like seeing the film anew. Bold and vibrant colors, an excellent presentation. The only thing that could have made it could have made it better is a commentary track with you two. Well, yeah, well thank thank you very exactly. much. But we can't do every Nashy film. It's uh we've done how many have we done? Wait. Well, we did seven, three, one, four, four, five, we did hunchback. Six, we've done six. Counting the newest one. Yeah. Six. No, no, no. Seven counting the newest one, isn't it? See, we did Inquisition. We did three on the first box set. So that's four. And then we and did Hunchback. Five, and then just because remember the other. Oh, that's right. Spanish, that's the right. others we did were yeah. That's right. Um, it, which, but, but as far as Nashi films, mates, mates. That's, yeah, that's but that would be seven, right? No, let's go back again. Inquisition. Inquisition. We did three on the first box set, which would be Hunt, which would be Night of the Werewolf. Night of the Werewolf. Horror rises from the tomb. Blue, Blue eyes, eyes of the broken, broken doll. doll. We did one. Well, it was supposed Punch to be three, but yeah. we did one. Punch which back, back in the morgue. And then, yeah. 
So the six with Beast of the Magic yes. Sword and uh-huh. six mm-hmm. Paul Nashy commentary tracks. So we can't do them all, folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know you would love to hear his own butt, but well, yeah. I think some of the people listening to us would would wouldn't mind if we did if we, <laughs> if did we didn't. More. Okay, enough. Of, yeah, let's let's explain let's explain something right now. There's, there's a couple of things. One, commentary tracks are more work than you might think they are. <laughs> They really are, especially for me. I know people like Troy Howarth and Tim Lucas who do like six a week, make it look like it's, you know, it's, easy. It's easy. But we're not, you know, godly human beings, superhumans like they are. You know, yeah, we, yeah. we cannot, uh, yeah, we, we cannot, we cannot do, do such things. No, we, we, no. we sweat over it. We, we ponder. <laughs> we tear our hair yeah. out. We stare at the mirror, stare yeah. at the mirror and scream at the person yes. looking back we at us. We literally stop speaking to each other for <laughs> weeks at a time. Before we, <laughs> we, commu- we communicate in nothing but emojis that are primarily just a raised middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> and the occasional little smoke turd with eyes and that thing. That like, <laughs> but we get through it and we get through it and we do them and we're glad that y'all enjoy them. And thank you for saying that. Uh, we would love to have done a commentary on The Mummy. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're so happy to exist because you're right. It is oh, a gorgeous, well, gorgeous that, I've listened to. Uh, I've only listened yeah, to the first 30 minutes of uh, Troy Howard's commentary track and I have to say it's quite good. Oh, yeah. So, he always yeah, does good work. Loving it, loving it. And yep. Seriously, I'm always glad. I, I There <laughs> need to be... There need to be more people out there doing commentary tracks on Nashi films because that means there's more Nashi films coming out, mm-hmm. and it gives us the opportunity to get another perspective on these movies. I mean, yeah. we've oh, been yeah, doing, we've been talking about Paul Nashi films, you know, at least in podcast form for nine and a half years, and mm-hmm. it is one of the great joys to actually talk to other people or to at least be able to mm-hmm. hear other people's versions of why they love these things, what they like about them, to sit around and pick nits about the things yeah, that are right and wrong right. about these stupid things. That's one of the great things about it. I wouldn't want to do mm-hmm. uh, commentary tracks for the 50-plus movies that we've covered because mm-hmm. I'd much rather have other people mm-hmm. talking about some of these movies and therefore mm-hmm. get their perspectives, mm-hmm. perspective, to hear someone else's opinions because, man, come on. I, I don't want to do a commentary for the film we did tonight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's like, you know, sometimes I think it would be, you know, would be a joy to to do commentary tracks where or, or to do films where there's multiple commentary tracks, but at the same time, no, maybe maybe it's better to actually listen to somebody else talk about this. Somebody who hasn't talked about these movies before. Somebody who loves them but loves them in a different way. That that is a hell of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you know, teach his own I'm glad that we get to do what we get to do, and of yep. course, Beast and the Magic Sword comes out later this yeah, year. That's right, which will have our yes. Uh, we may we may ultimately hold the record for doing the longest Nashy commentary because that is the <laughs> longest Nashy film. Yeah, so. <laughs> Ooh, that movie. One day, I'll, it is an epic in many ways. One day, folks, Rod will make public the tale of recording and editing <laughs> that particular commentary track. <laughs> yeah, and let me tell you, friends, uh, it's a doozy. It almost finished him. It almost, almost put him in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was ready to start chopping off fingers and telling. <laughs> so, friends, neighbors, thank you very much, Don. Once again, thank you for your email, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Thank you for yours as well. Remember, you can contact us either on the uh, Nashicast Facebook page, mm-hmm. over on the uh, land of the hideous Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. Or write yeah. to us directly mm-hmm. at nashycast at gmail.com. Yes, I'm attempting to come up with new and different ways to describe Facebook. Uh, <laughs> no longer will it be Facebook or the Book of Faces. It is the, the hideous, hideous, Zuckerberg, hideous like Valley of Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg or the, <laughs> the large mountainous turd that is the Zuckerberg land or whatever. <laughs> so, I, yes, I do want to punch that man right in the face. Mm-hmm. I'll make that public. Mm-hmm. So, thank you everyone for listening to the show. As for what's going to be our next episode of this particular podcast, 
We can already tell you what the film will be, but we're not sure exactly when we're going to be able to get it to you. September's going to be a chancy, weird little month for Troy and I. We have a lot of different projects and weirdness. Uh, Troy's got to go out of town. I think he's uh, mm. visiting a monster. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, no, no. No G-Fest. Just Monster Island. Just Monster Island. Mm. But there are things that are kind of brewing, uh, mm. different irons in the fire. Uh, Troy, of course, has two different bands. Mm. I, of course, am taking a cor- correspondence course in how to be awesome. Mm. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but That explains all the demerits. That, yeah, that, that, yes, exactly. The black that, that, that explains mm. the, the reason my, my butt mm. and back is sore. It's all the, it's all the whip strikes. All the canings, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the canings, of course. <laughs> but one of the things that... What we're going to do next is actually the film... The Corruption of Chris Miller, an, an amazing, I would call it a, a horror film. It's definitely a Spanish horror film. Others have called it a thriller, but I think it veers much more toward the horror end of the spectrum. This has been a movie that I've been a fan of for years. I, I, I uh, <laughs> illegally obtained a copy of it several years ago. Troy, I don't think, has seen I have it not. I've got it ready to, I've been holding back knowing that we were going to cover this because you've talked so highly of it. I'm very excited yep, yep. about watching this. Looking forward to covering The Corruption of Chris Miller. Of course, it is available now on Blu-ray from Vinegar, Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, I have not cracked open that Blu-ray either I because I wanted, I wanted yeah. to wait until we were going to cover mm. it. So uh, sometime here uh, before Halloween, I think you will uh, definitely hear us mm. talking about The Corruption of Chris Miller. And I can already tell you, I do like that film. Troy has not seen it yet. So we will get his raw reaction to it when yeah. we uh, next slide something into the feed yeah, of yeah. the Nashy cast. Yeah. So thank you very much for listening. Can I say one more thing? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, there's something that I, I, I've been meaning to say through the show. And it's something that we've said before. I don't think we say it quite enough, but regardless of what we may think of these rare films that we're able to snag, uh, there, the we mentioned that we, could, we were able to see this film now because somebody went to the trouble to subtitle it. And I just yes. want to give a thanks to the people out there who are doing this, you know, uh, doing these films, putting it out there because otherwise that's the reason we've been able to extend the show. Yeah. So, uh, and yes, so, you know, we were very happy to get a chance to do Nashi. So yes, to you people out there who are taking the time to do this and subtitle these films, thank you. Thank you. Yes, exactly. You're right. We should single them out mm-hmm. and we should thank them mm-hmm. profusely because doing this makes it, first of all, it adds joy to our lives because we want to see these movies regardless of what we end up thinking about them because we're very curious about them Mm -hmm. and uh, they're going to remain extremely obscure no matter what we do or no matter what the fan subbing community does and we can just do nothing but sit here in awe of these bilingual people willing to take Mm -hmm. the time and effort and it is a lot of work Mm -hmm. to subtitle these things and you're right, just thank them. Thank you very much. But uh, folks, thank you also for listening to the show. We're glad you're here. Believe me, if it was just the two of us sitting talking in the room, we'd have stopped this a long time ago. Yes, we would have. Because we can't stand can't to talk about film. Stands to do this. So, folks, thank you very much. We will talk to you again next time when we talk about the corruption of Chris Miller. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. See you next time.